Hey guys, we are live. Welcome back, VM Nation. This is going to be an amazing episode. If you're a veteran, if you're a military spouse, if you're a podcaster, if you're an author, this podcast is going to have everything. This is going to be amazing. Amanda's going to be dropping some serious knowledge bombs. But first, I want to thank our sponsors, uh, Kurt Ballish of Ballish Woodworks. You know, as you guys know, my sponsors are 100% veterans, 100% of the time. And Kurt makes some amazing work. And I just wanted to show you that this is a cutting board that he actually made for my wife. And it has our family insignia on it. And she it's the only cutting board she will actually use. So definitely check out Ballish Woodworks at ballishwoodworks.com. Amanda, what's going on? And how was your trip to Disney? It was amazing. I love Disney, and so it was really fun to spend time with my family at Disney World, and we had a great vacation. Now, did you stay on property, or did you go to the Shades of Green? Uh, we stayed on property. Uh, we haven't ever stayed at the Shades of Green, but we used our military discount for the hotels and stayed on property oh. and used the military tickets, and so. So it went pretty smooth? Yeah, yeah. We're kind of Disney fanatics, so. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it wasn't our first trip. So yeah, I think we're looking to go I think next year. I got a nine year old daughter, so I think she she wants to go next year. And I think she's at the age where I don't have to push her around. Suck yeah. At age, you know. So yeah. talk to us a little bit about uh where you're from, where you grew up, and what kind of little kid were you? I grew up in Central California and where all the agriculture is. And my grandmother had a, a 20 acre vineyard of grapes. And so I spent a lot of time at her vineyard, uh, raking the berms and driving around on a four wheeler. And I'm not a typical, my last deployed, my friend was like, you're not a Californian. You don't act like Californian. So I'm, I'm from California, but I'm from the Central Valley where all the agriculture is and not the beaches and what most people think of when they think of California. So were you a good student? Were you a good athlete? I was, I was a good student. And then I ran cross country and track uh, in, in high school. And that was what I love to do. I love to run. And I actually set a high school record for the 3.1 miles for the cross country course. And then for the two mile, uh, race, I did that in under 12 minutes. And that was a record for our school. So I was a pretty good athlete. I lettered in varsity all four years and um, I actually lived in Fresno my whole, like, growing up time, but I went to, like, three or four different schools. My parents uh, were lower middle class, and they were trying to get me the best education that I could, so they would try and get me to whatever school they could, because the school district we lived in wasn't the best, so even though I wasn't a military brat, I went to five different schools before graduating high school. Okay, so now, you know, you said you went to five different schools. So for me, I grew up and I moved around a lot. So I never really made friends because I, I figured, you know, if I'm not gonna see him again, I'm gonna be moving anyway. So I'm really not gonna make friends. Did you have any, did you make a lot of friends or did you just were you kind of standoffish? Uh, not at school, but we went to the same church my whole growing up. So I think that gave me the solid foundation of friendship of people that I knew from 
uh, second grade all the way till I graduated high school. So at school, I kind of just bounced around to different groups and hung out with, you know, the cross country team was usually who I spent the most time with. But I really had my core friends at the church that I went to. And so I never really thought about that. So I had a good group of friends that I was friends with at church. And then I kind of just went to school and hung around with different people, but didn't have those strong friendships. Now, could you, cause you ran track and you, you know, you did good in school. Did you get any college scholarships? I went to the community college and I think I got a few smaller scholarships, but uh, when I went to community college, it was $11 a unit. So it was like nothing. Uh, and then it was more expensive to go to the four-year university. So my first unit, I know I know my first semester, I paid more for books than I did for my tuition. And my parents paid my tuition and I paid for my books and I got a little bit of scholarship money to help with that. But uh, I didn't have very many scholarships. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I didn't, I was thought I was going to run cross country and then that didn't work out. And so I ended up just going to the community college and living at home. And, um, and I had a few scholarships, but not a lot. So what was it like, you know, knowing that you're, you know, you're, you love cross country and then it comes to an end, like for a lot of people when, you know, in their high school, they, they play football, they play basketball, whatever their sport is. And then when they get done with it, they, they have a kind of a lull because they don't you know that's what they got wrapped up in. How was it feeling with you when you were done that you were never going to run competitive competitively again? Well, I actually ran my freshman year of college um, and it wasn't really the best season. I just I guess I kind of like lost my desire to do it. And so and it was about the time that I was learning about joining the military. And so when I started ROTC uh, and I switched my major to civil engineering, the academics were like, if you're in engineering, you can't do a sport. And I was like, well, I'll just replace it with this Air Force thing and I won't do. So it was kind of like a transition from doing sports to doing the military thing. So I don't think I missed it so much had I stopped doing it altogether. So what was, why did you choose the Air Force and not, you know, or, you know, why, why didn't you choose the Marines or the, you know, Army, Navy? What was your thought process? Uh, I don't think I felt like I really was supposed to join the military and the Air Force seems the least military. Um, it kind of backfired because I deployed with the Army. But I, I met someone who was doing the Air Force ROTC program and I just kind of got pulled into the Air Force and I had talked to different recruiters from other branches and it just didn't feel like the right fit, but the Air Force felt the least military. And so that's where I ended up. So did you take to the military easily? Was it something that you really enjoyed when you first got in there? Yeah, when I joined the ROTC program, I felt like I had found what I'd been looking for and I was really excited to have a goal to shoot for, to commission into the Air Force. And then I just made a solid group of friends that I hadn't, like I said, in high school and growing up in elementary school, I had like friends, but not like close friends, except through church. But the military, we built a really strong bond in the ROTC program of a friendship that 
was unexpected and it kind of just felt like I just say it was like coming home to join the ROTC program it was like where I needed to be so did you how long did you do in the, in the Air Force I did six years in the Air Force but I did four years of ROTC so I did my sophomore year and then I took five years to graduate so I spent four years in ROTC and then six years in the Air Force so it'll be it was 10 years altogether so okay so then you know a lot of people will think wait a minute no, because I knew that for me it was, you know, if I'm in for 10, I'm going to be in for 20. You know, a lot of people, they're like, all right, it's either to make or break point. Either you stay in to the 11th year and make a career out of it or you get out. What well, was the, your the, four years, the four years of ROTC doesn't count towards your retirement. So okay. it was only six years active duty. And I got out because my husband is still in the military he's actually in the space force and we are dual military in the air force and i had deployed and he went tdy all the time and when i got pregnant we were like this this was fun but <laughs> i think it's gonna get a little too complicated with both of us being active duty and so i decided to get out of the air force and uh, become a stay-at-home mom because i we needed someone to have some stability with both of us. And we were just worried about getting stationed together. There were lots of dynamics that went into that decision. So what was it like for, you know, I, I've had a plenty of, of females come on and military service members. What was your military experience like? Did you have any drama um, did, and you were deployed? So did you make it back? Okay. Was there anything um, mentally off because of deployments or did you make it back? Okay. I, I did struggle with trauma from my deployment come, after coming home. I kind of kept it at bay for a long time. I actually just finished therapy a couple weeks ago. And so it's been something that's been plaguing me off and on. And I've done programs like Celebrate Recovery and different programs. And then I just use the Cohen Veterans. Celebrate Recovery. I'm actually listening to uh, Mr. Warren's uh, Purpose Driven Life on um, my when i walk in the morning so i i love celebrate recovery so yeah yeah it's an amazing program i've been in recovery now i, I think i just hit 33 years i've been clean and sober so wow that's that's amazing congratulations so now you know when, when a lot of people when they get out um they for me when i got out because i got hurt on duty so they had, you know, you can't see, you can't shoot. So they throw you out, they retire you. And for me, I lost my, my career. I lost my mission and I, and I lost the camaraderie. Cause like my friend, Nick Sergeant Nick says, you know, once you step off base, the military doesn't give a shit about you anymore That's and your phone stops ringing. So what was your transitioning like out you know, get, getting out after six years? Yeah, it was very similar to that. I lost my purpose and my mission. And I thought that becoming a mom, that would immediately fill that purpose that I had. But it was so much more concrete in the military. And there was so much structure and accolades. And then becoming a mom was a lot of like, there was no real book that you could follow. And I always felt like I wasn't doing it good enough or doing it right. And there weren't any accolades like you get in the military. There weren't any awards or 
you know, really pats on the back to keep going. And my husband's career, it went from both of our careers being in the front and we would like talk about what's good for you and what's, and it went from everything focused on him and everything about me didn't really matter. And I think that was a really hard switch from being part like kind of being in the driver's and the passenger seat. And then instead it was like, I was in the back of the car and they were like, nobody cares about you anymore. And so that was a really hard transition. Now, what's it like, you know, because you've seen it from both sides, you know, you've seen it from the veteran and you also seen it from the military spouse. So, you know, what it was like to pick up a gun or weapon you know what it was like to put your life on the line and now your significant other is doing the same thing and you know the risks so what is it like being a military spouse because i you know i've been i tell everybody that you know your husband if you're in the military your husband or wife is doing the same amount of time as you are you're just doing it at home and you got a much sometimes a much harder job because not only are you the mother, you're the mother, the father, taking care of all the bills, all the cooking. So you have a bigger role for like us, us veterans. We just know, all right, there's the enemy. That's where we go. And, and everything else is, you know, we don't have to worry about everything else. So talk to us about being a military spouse, what that's like. I think the isolation that military spouses feel, because like when you deploy, everyone who's deploying, we're all kind of going through a similar thing. We might have different stuff going on back home, like kids and life, but we're all going through a very similar experience. But for military spouses, everybody's family situation is so different. Some people are, you know, they're just married and they don't have kids. Some people are empty nesters. Some people have little babies, some kids. And so it's really hard for being a military spouse because when you get left behind, there is like, they try and do the spouses group, but it's not the same thing as like living, working, going through the same thing. And so I think that's the hardest part for me of being a military spouse. And even for my husband, because when I deployed, he was left behind and they forgot about him a lot because he, because I was a female, I guess, but he, they never really checked in on him. They didn't take care of him and he got one meal (laughs) actually from someone in his unit, not from someone in my unit, um, the whole year that I was gone. And I think that we kind of forget about the spouses and just expect them to carry on, especially male military spouses, like, well, you're fine. No. And then we forget about them and don't realize how hard it is on the spouse to deal with everything going on because there's so much variety of what different people experience when their spouse is gone. So how long were you deployed? I was gone for just over a year. I did four months of training and then nine months in Afghanistan. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is when a service member is deployed and they come back home, they kind of don't have a place. And, you know, for for me, it was, uh, I wasn't deployed when I was a family. But I, I worked retail for for nine years of my, and I only see my daughter, you know, in the mornings and on weekends sometimes. And I didn't know how to reintegrate. So when you got back, what was your re, reintegration process 
like? Was it hard to slowly work your way back into be a mom? Or was it just like all of a sudden, boom, all right, mom's here. And now what? I was a, I was married to my husband, but we didn't have kids yet. So I didn't have to worry about that. But my husband PCS while I was deployed. So when I came back, I, my friend picked me up at the airport and she, my husband had left behind like a suitcase of stuff at her house. And there was someone living in our house cause we were renting it out and he was in Ohio and I was in New Mexico and um, I had to in process back into the base. And then I visited him cause I got home right around Thanksgiving. And so I visited him for Thanksgiving and then I went back to the base that I, as I was stationed at in New Mexico and I, out processed out of the base and then I PCS to be with him. So it was kind of like a long drawn out process. And in some ways it was kind of good because I was able to adjust back to being in the United States uh, by myself and kind of just process that. And then when I moved to Ohio, we were kind of got to reconnect as a couple. And so it was like in stages instead of like everything's all at once. I, I really was glad that I didn't have kids when I was deployed because that would make it even harder. Now, has he been deployed since you guys have kids? No, he just travels a lot. Okay. Except when COVID happened, then he didn't travel a lot. But oh. he, just would, he would go TY all the time. And uh, he was gone like two, one to two weeks every month. So not a deployment, but lots of time away. So now, what do you do now? What is your life like now? Uh, I, I know you have a podcast. You've been featured everywhere. <laughs> your name has been everywhere. Um, you have a lot of achievements, a lot of accolades. So talk to us what life was like after military. So when my son was about four to six months old, I started a blog, uh, Airman to Mom, where I started by writing for five minutes uh, once a week because that was all I could do. And I then started to write more, but I didn't really know what my focus was. And so I bounced around a few different places. And then in 2017, I did a deployment series. And to my surprise, it was all women who responded and not men, <laughs> even though I expected it to be mainly men. And so it was really cool from that experience. I got to hear all these stories from women about their deployment experiences. And I was like, wow, women in the military, they're awesome. And they're doing amazing stuff. And I had no idea, even though I had been in the service and I had deployed, I didn't really know any other stories of women. And so that's what led to creating the podcast and my book, Women of the Military, was just a desire to hear more stories of military women. And in turn, that kind of pivoted towards helping the next generation of women. At the end of my podcast, I asked women, what advice would they give to the next generation of military women? And then through those questions, uh, young women have found the podcast and they've heard the stories and they love getting the advice from other women and it helps them in their journey. So I try and help women as they join the military. And then I also help women who've served in the military share their story now out of all you know you've talked to a lot of women probably hundreds or, or thousands what are some of the things that they deal with that we wouldn't really even think about or know about what are some of their struggles 
So I just wrote an article for Spouse Link that I'm kind of surprised watching it uh, trend on Twitter and on social media. And it was about stereotypes and how hard it is to be a woman veteran. And I talked about... Where do you think I got this question? Yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> And one of the things that I wrote about was about how sometimes when I tell people that I'm a veteran, they're like, you mean you're a spouse? Like, as if I don't know what the word veteran means. And I'm like, no, I'm a veteran. And sometimes I like have to like explain like, no, I was in the Air Force. I deployed to Afghanistan. Like, I'm a veteran. I'm also a military spouse. And this morning on Twitter, one of the women that I follow who's a veteran, she talked about how that happens to her countless times. And I've first, like sometimes when I write things, it's kind of vulnerable and it's hard to write because I feel like, Am, does this really happen to other people? Or like, cause it's just so bizarre that someone would try and correct you. And she talked specifically about that experience in her life. And I was like, so it kind of was like a resonating thing of like women, they, get kind of beat down by the questions or the disrespect that they receive. Um, one of the things that she said people ask afterwards is, well, did you deploy? And people ask me that too, but I say yes. And she said no. And I, it was interesting to hear about how when people ask like, well, did you deploy? And if you say no, how much shame that brought to her and how people kind of feel justified when they're like, well, you didn't deploy, so you're not really a veteran. And I haven't experienced that because I did deploy. Um, so I think it's really hard for women who've been in the military if they've deployed or not. But when they haven't deployed, some people deploy, some people don't. It's not like I'm better because I did. But it's something that I think civilians kind of like use as a way to determine. But they don't always ask men the same questions that they ask women. And I know that because I, I stand next to my husband and they ask him different questions than they ask me. So now, now, what makes like from I've talked to now like 360 interviews, and you know I love to ask the question. You know what what is making you successful that the military has taught you? What are some of the things that people that are either going to be podcasters, bloggers, whatever, even moms, dads. What is the, some, some, the great things that the military taught you that you're using in your civilian life? I think discipline and perseverance. Um, the military teaches you how to adapt when you don't know how to do something. I didn't realize this when I first started my business, but like whenever I would hit a roadblock, I'd be like, okay, Google, YouTube, or whatever. And I would just like drive forward. And the military teaches you that. Like, if you hit a roadblock, you figure out a way to go forward because the mission has to get done. And I think that's like the busy, biggest thing that's helped me in my business is like, I don't know how to do something. Well, I know how to find the answer or find someone who does know the answer and then go forward instead of being like, oh, I don't know how to do this. I guess I just shouldn't do it because <laughs> I, I filled out a form this morning. It was like, well, what do you do? And I was like, well, I'm an author and a podcaster, a freelancer. And I was like, I ran out of space because there's like so many different things that I do and I don't limit myself to just like one area. I just try new things and sometimes it doesn't work out and then sometimes it does. Um, and I think the military has led it so that I'm willing to try new things and I also am willing to work to find the answer if someone tells me no or if there's a roadblock. 
Okay, so now, you know, as I say on my show, I talk to, you know, a lot of veterans that become entrepreneurs. I call them vetrepreneurs. You know, a lot of times when person gets out of the military, they want to start a t-shirt company, hat company, liquor, coffee, and, you know, $10,000 and six months later, they're $10,000 in debt and don't know what the hell just happened. And I think a lot of it is because in the military, we're taught SOPs, we're taught standing operating procedures. And when we get out and we start a business, I don't think we have a business plan. And like my friend Steven talks about, if you don't have a business plan, you don't have a business, you have a hobby. So for you, when you got out or, you know, when you decided to start your own business, what was that mindset like? And what was that talk across the kitchen table with your husband about you starting a business? Because a lot of people, they'll start a business and not talk about it with their spouse until something goes sideways. And then they got to have an even harder conversation. So talk to us your first couple of days of in business or even before you started, when you started thinking about getting into business. Well, I would say I started with a hobby and then it became a business. And I thought it was a business, but it wasn't because I had no focus. I had no direction. I had no plan. I just thought I'll just create a blog and make money. That's how it works, right? That's not how it works. It takes a lot of work and a lot of direction and a lot of pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. And it probably took me three to four years before I finally made the like mental shift from like a hobby to like an actual business. And in a way, it was good because I didn't I invested very little money up front because it was a hobby and not a business. And so I wasn't like in debt. I just had to pay the fee to have a blog. And then I kind of just use Google and um, and so and I'm on the like slow and steady growth track. I think a lot of people think that you can they see like an overnight sensation, but they don't see the years of hard work that someone um, put into it because someone was like, well, you just took off so fast. And I was like, I started my blog in 2014. And before 2019, most people had no idea who I was. It's just been in the last few years. And that's like five years of a lot of hard work, a lot of mistakes, and a lot of perseverance. And then with the podcast, it it started to change. But it's not like a one day, one day you start and then everybody knows who you are. It takes a lot of time or money to get so that people know who you are and build that credibility and that network and all the things you need. No, if somebody, you know, just talked, talk when I was talking to them, they said consistency will always overpower intensity if you're consistent for the long haul. Right. So now when you started uh, your blog, where, did you start out on WordPress or one of those sites like that to start off? Yeah, I started with WordPress. Yep. So how would happen? How do you build a blog? Because I know a lot of people want to know are going to ask, you know, well, how did you do it? So did you just start doing an entry a day or an entry a week? Yeah. Or something? yeah, I started writing like four or five times a week and I didn't know what I was doing, um, but it's quite entertaining to go back that far and see what I was doing. <laughs> um, but I, I, I feel like in the beginning I was putting out like so much content that like nobody could keep up with it. And it was like all over the map. So like people, 
you kind of you have to be really specific on what your audience is and I've learned a lot about avatars and if you're speaking to everyone you're speaking to no one and I definitely I definitely spoke to no one because I was writing about natural birth and travel and military like all in the same time and like that was all things I was interested in but people didn't know what I was gonna post next because it was all over the map and now I'm really refined and uh, helping women share their stories and then helping women join the military and I I focus in on that and I use my avatar to answer questions when I'm trying to figure out what blog posts to write, what podcast titles I should use, and everything is around the avatar that I've made up, and that's the the target person or the target audience that I'm trying to build. So that's the advice I give is, like, you need to be specific. And I always, when I coach people, I'm like, nope gotta keep going deeper because they they're like no it's it's really specific i'm like no it has to be like one person yeah now i learned that from a friend of mine prior military john lee dumas taught me you know you got to go an inch inch wide but a mile deep and and then when you think you've got your avatar you got to go deeper and then like you said you know you you have to give it a name give that person a name to where you know I know who my avatar is and and everything I do now is towards that one person. So talk to us about starting a podcast because you know everybody wants to have a podcast, but most people don't realize that the only the average podcast doesn't last past 13 episodes. That is true. So talk to us about starting a podcast, the pros and the cons of having a podcast. Uh the cons is it's a lot of work someone told me i didn't know how much work podcasting was i was like do you think that i just it's a lot of work yes i do a lot of work um for the podcast each week and i think the main thing that people struggle with i always go back to the avatar thing because i think it's so important because when people start a podcast they're like oh i'm going to talk about the weather and it's like well, what type of weather are you going to talk about? Are you talking about thunderstorms? Are you going to talk about, like, weather in California? Like, you have to be really specific about what you're talking about or your audience won't find you. And you'll run out of, like, at steam in a way because you'll have two – it'll be so broad you won't even be able to come up with topics. And for me, my podcast is really simple. I just interview women who are veterans and that's the only thing that I look at when I'm searching for people, which now I have too many people, but <laughs> it really had simplified my process for creating episodes because I had a standard set of questions that I used, um, especially in the beginning to help me know how to ask the questions and like where to go. Now I, I've done it so much, I, I don't have to do that, but in the beginning, I would do a lot of prep work before and try and guess where the conversation would go. And now I use, I just, you know, do an interview like you're doing now. But I think you have to be really specific on what you want to do and then create as many processes as you can to save time. You know, and, you know, like once I knew like we were going to talk, I found you on LinkedIn. I found you on Facebook. I, I went to Google and you know i did all my research i've listened i listened to about uh five to ten episodes of your podcast because because sometimes when you think you're going to interview somebody 
you want to know the person a little bit, you know, so where it doesn't feel like it's so scripted. It just, it's like, oh my God, is this, is this going to ever end? You know? Right. So now I know that you even have a, a waiting list for people to be guests on your show. Talk mm -hmm. about that and talk about how you go about finding guests. So I, when I first started, I would go on LinkedIn and I would put veteran and I'd be like, guy, guy, oh, there's a woman. And I would send them a message. And I actually use, uh, we had just PCS. And so I had the free year premium that military spouses get when their spouse PCSs. And so I used that. So I was able to just send messages to random people. And I did that. And I had a Google form that I created that asked their name and what branch they served in and when they served. And I've added a few other questions. And then like, if there's anything specific that they want to talk about from their military experience. And I did that as a way to find people. And uh, now it's closed <laughs> because I have so many people, but uh, people find me now. But in the beginning, I spent a lot of time finding women veterans and just asking strangers if they'd be on my podcast. Now, for me, you know, like when, when I approached you and, you know, and I said, Amanda, I would love to have you to come on the show to talk about your experience, your book, your podcast, you know, but I get a lot of people, you know, like they'll uh, met, you know, request, you know, uh, friendship requests and bam, 30 seconds later, I get like an eight page pitch uh, and I'm like, wait a minute, you know, date me before you ask me to marry you. You know, you for me, I'm, I'm all about building, you know, building relationships. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm going to send you, you know, when I sent you a request, if I would have just said, hey, Amanda, you know, I have the number eight veteran podcast in the world. Why don't you come on? You would have probably looked at your computer and be like, who is this guy? What an idiot. <laughs> but if somebody creates value for you, you're more than likely to want to reciprocate. So talk to us about that, that whole building relationships and creating value for the guests, the future guests. Yeah, I get a lot of pitches too. And they're usually don't relate to my podcast. I get a lot of pitches for military spouse stuff or um, for other male veteran owned company, companies or for stuff that doesn't make any sense because it's not even military related. Um, and I think building relationships and building community is like what the veteran community is all about. Like I knew who you were because I've been following, you know, stuff on LinkedIn. And so when you sent me the message, I knew your name and I knew who you were. And so it was an easy to say yes. And like, you didn't have to say, I have the, the eighth most popular podcast because I already knew about your podcast and what you were doing. And so I think building relationships, I've made so many friends from people that I've interviewed on the podcast that are now my friends on Facebook, and I've got to meet them in person, and it's just crazy because my birthday happened last week, and I was like, podcast, podcast, you know, when people say happy birthday, and I was like, it's just, my life is so much fuller because not only did I get a chance to interview them, but then our relationship continued after that. And, and they help me and support my business by telling other people and I help them by telling them about different things. And so it's not just like, we're going to do an interview and then we're never going to talk again. It's just the beginning, like the first step to building a deeper relationship and then 
connecting in the future. So it's, I, I just really expect that my guests are going to stay connected and to be a part of the community. And it's not just like they're just on my episode and then or on my show and then they don't ever connect with me again. So now last two questions. How do we find you? How could we find your books? How can we find your podcast? And more importantly, how can we support your mission? So you can find me, everything is on airmentomom.com. And then you can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and Instagram. I guess I'm sort of on Instagram. And it's all Airmen to Mom. And my podcast is Women of the Military. And it's on all the podcast things. <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Google um, and you can also find each episode on my blog so you can listen straight from the blog. And then my book is on Amazon, Women of the Military. And if you want a signed copy, just send me a message on LinkedIn and I can arrange that as well. Now they can also support you with Patreon. You also have an Patreon. Oh yeah, you're you're really helpful. Yes. I <laughs> I have Patreon. Uh Women of the Military is on Patreon and you can support me. And one way that I let people bypass the wait list is if a woman veteran wants to share her story, you can sign up at the $3 a month level and then you can skip the wait list and jump to the front of the line. Okay. I love it. Love it. Last question. Um, and, and I get, uh, I ask a thousand people, I get a thousand different answers. Uh, you know, we still live in a COVID world. So we got a lot of parents that are driving Uber and DoorDash just to put food in the kids' mouths. Um, so we live a very busy life. And if I ask the average person to, to do something in seven days in the United States, it never gets done. And that includes me because I, I still got a piece of paper. I need to do something for DMV. It's been sitting there for like two weeks. So I'm, I'm prime example. But if I ask somebody that's listening to our show to do something in the next 24 hours, they're more likely. So if there's a, a female veteran out there most or military spouse, that wants to get their story out there, that wants to tell some of the things maybe they struggled with, maybe they dealt with MST, stuff like that. What can they do in the next 24 hours to start to get their story told? Uh, that's a good question. I think that you should tell, you could tell someone on social media, but even better is to tell your spouse or your family member there's so many people who are close to women veterans who've never even heard their story or their experience. So, um, and I know that it's hard because sometimes I can talk about my military experience, even though I talk about my military stuff all the time. Sometimes I have to say, I can't talk about that right now. Um, so I think if you can open up and tell someone close to you one thing about your military experience and see where the conversation goes and know that if you're not ready to keep talking, um, that it's okay to say, like, I can't talk about that right now, but thank you for opening up or thank you for listening to my story. I love it. Guys, if this interview, if this interview, this podcast touched your soul, like it did touch mine, please leave us a comment. Please leave us a review on iTunes. We, none of us make money from what we're doing. It's all a matter of love. So that's like Gary Vaynerchuk says, that's the way you can pay us by leaving us a review, a comment, or a share. And then I just want to say thank you for coming on. I know it's been hectic with vacation and with the time difference. 
because I my daughter I got to uh, pick her up at three o'clock instead of two o'clock today. So sorry about the whole time thing. But I just want to say thank you so much for coming on, and I appreciate everything that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. It's really been a pleasure to be on today. All right, guys, remember vertical momentum. The only way to go is but.